Good evening. It is again, once again, the first Monday of the month, October 2nd. You are tuned into KZMU Radio Book Club. We are, as always, excited to be here for this hour. And we've done so many of these, it's kind of amazing how long we've been running books through your heads, running books through your minds, uh, giving you suggestions for the month for what you might want to read. And then also, of course, uh, we're live here in studio. And joining me, of course, is Jesse from the library. Good evening, Jesse. Good evening, everyone. Nice to see you here. And then also we have Alyssa with us as well. And I have to say, we can't say anymore that Alyssa comes to us as a hybrid Not from Back of Beyond and the library. But um, I'm still here. But Alyssa <laughs> is still here. On the radio. Yay. <laughs> We're so glad you're here. And um, this was just r- something recent. And we, we are sadly saying goodbye to Alyssa. But Alyssa still has tabs on the library and other amazing things. All the teen center things. All too. the teens, yeah. all the teens are gonna get get some of Alyssa's <laughs> focus. Uh, like always, we're here. Um, of, of course, our, our we're single-handedly going to try and get as many books across your landscape as possible. Um, but also tonight, I just want to let everyone know to really stay tuned. We have two actually two interviews today. We're going to try and get about a 15 interview, 15 minute interview each with writers Amber Karen and Karen Anderson. And both of them will actually be with us at Back of Beyond Books, literally at the bookstore on October 20th at 6 p.m. Let's see, I've got them at, yes, at 6 p.m. They're coming as a, a, a little dynamic literary duo, uh, but also in conjunction with the Utah Humanities Book Festival and, um, of course, Tory House Press. One of the uh, Karen Anderson's What Falls Away is actually uh, published by P- Tory House Press. So if you're interested in hearing a couple of really interesting books, hearing about them and hearing what the authors have to say, please stay tuned. Um, we'll have Karen at 5.30 and then we'll have Amber at 5.45. But before that happens, we want to fill your heads. <laughs> but the first thing we actually need to do is go over to Jesse and see what's going on at the library uh, this, uh, this month. What kind of events are taking place? Well, I've got two events I'd like to let you know about. A couple of weeks away on Thursday, October 19th at 7 p.m. at the Moab Library Branch, we're going to have more local history with Dave Vaughn, who has chosen to present on Fran and Turby Barnes. For more than 30 years, longtime Moab locals Fran and Turby Barnes made invaluable contributions to local history. They photographed and documented natural wonders all around the Moab area. They're a husband and wife team who wrote numerous guidebooks, historical publications, took thousands of photographs, which have recently been archived by 
um, by the Moab Museum in partnership with one of the universities. And with an archival photo slideshow, local historian Dave Vaughn is going to take us back in time, detailing this couple's adventures and exploring their many contributions to the region. Um, that should uh, that should be pretty pretty fascinating and lively. They were uh, this pair was quite were quite the characters and. Um, they, like hundreds, I would say, uh, guidebooks and publications. The library has has a few of those um, for checkout. Pretty interesting. Um, later on in the month, Tuesday, October 24th at uh, 7 p.m., um, in, the, in a partnership with Back of Beyond Books, actually, we are welcoming author Dave Showalter, who has recently published a gorgeous coffee table book full of splendid photographs called Living River, the Promise of the Mighty Colorado. Um, he is a conservation photographer and author, and you can join us for a unique multimedia journey through the vast Colorado River watershed. Based on his new book, Showalter's stunning images, video, and powerful storytelling are going to paint a galvanizing picture of the living Colorado River and the challenges it faces and will inspire people to cherish and protect its dynamic life force. Again, that's Tuesday, October 24th at the library at 7 p.m. And that's what's going on uh, with pro adult programming, anyhow, at the library. Yeah. Is there anything with teen programming? Alyssa? Yeah, so uh, teen programming, we've got the teen center up and running, as we have had for many months at this point. But school hours are 3 p.m. to 8 p.m., Monday through Thursday. And then Friday, we're open from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. And as the school year's kind of gotten underway and the mentoring program has kind of gotten its feet going for this school year we've also had a lot of mentors and mentees start to come by so that's always open to anyone who's part of the grand area mentoring program again it is the teen center so it's seventh through senior mm. so sixth graders next year come on but not yet this year <laughs> <laughs> seventh through seniors and um we have the 3d printer over there and so Christina and I have been trying to 3D print Halloween decorations. Oh, that's so to cool. To varying <sighs> degrees of success, absolutely. <laughs> but so far we've got cute little ghosts, and we were able to print a little skull that we were actually using to store our hot sauces. <laughs> a hot sauce skull, of course. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? A hot sauce skull. Yes, you yes. wouldn't think, but we did, and so that's what we're doing. And uh. <laughs> we made a little teacup of teeth all like fun scoop spooky stuff so if anyone wants to come by and print their own halloween decorations with us we're figuring it out and learning the whole time so come learn with us oh that's so cool so the teen yeah. center is a, a library uh it's sort yes. of a little mini library branch mm -hmm. we're super excited about how um how successful it and how well used it, it is already it's been um, it seems like a really, really great resource. Free snacks for also, 7th through 12th graders. a big selling That's point. That's a big draw, I am Lots sure. of free snacks. And, <laughs> you and know, very little shushing. Almost none, if yeah. we're being honest. <laughs> and lots of other free things, too. Anything that is donated in the area, as such as school supplies. Um, we got some hygiene stuff today from the health department. And we've got cool little bags that you could probably just throw into a backpack, be 
ultra discreet with that or pull out your brand new teen center brush, whatever you want to do. But we've got it and it's free and anyone can come by. Who is between 7th and right. senior? We have to say grade. that. I just need to put that out there. 7th <laughs> so and 12th grade. But yes, it's for you. <laughs> so let's say that a, um, one of our teens is a big reader and they were used to checking out books at the library. Mm-hmm. Can, is that, that system all the same at the teen center? They can check out books from there? So we can place books on hold for them okay. from the teen center. and. Either they can go and pick up the books at the library just with their library card, their number, or their name. They can, and they'll be on hold for them there. Or if they know they're coming back and they tell us they want us to bring it over there, we would be happy to do that. But just talk to me or Christina about that at the Teen Center, and we can help you out with your books. The young adult section at the library still remains. Okay, that's what I wanted. Really beautifully curated. Christina's been doing a beautiful job ordering ordering books that are relevant to our young people and uh, keeping it keeping it looking really good. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, that's good to know. Uh, as far as Back of Beyond and events, there is quite a bit going on, actually. I want to mention tomorrow, which is really quickly coming up, October 3rd at 5.30 p.m. at the Multicultural Center. There'll actually be a free poetry workshop with our Utah Poet Laureate, Lisa Bickmore. And it sounds like it's going to have some kind of connection to the Day of the Dead, Pachamama. And um, she's literally come to really like lead folks through the process of writing poetry. So I know Rihanna over there at the center is super excited about this. We're going to have uh, Back of Beyond will be there with Lisa's books to um, be able to share some of her uh, poetry books. And it sounds really exciting. And I know it took, um, it, it came out very quickly. So I'd love for anyone out there who has poetry inclinations to uh, come learn at the feet of Lisa Bickmore. Um And then on October 15th, also in conjunction with the Utah Book Humanities Book Festival, at 6 p.m. at Back of Beyond Books, we'll have Betsy Gaines Quayman and David Quayman. Now, I'm not exactly sure if it's Quayman or Quaman. Quaman. Oh, it's Quaman. We know for sure it's Quaman. Okay. (laughs) So um, Betsy Gaines Quaman and David Quaman. Uh, So Betsy, just through Toriel's Press, just published a new book called True West. That's actually the book we will be celebrating. Um, However, this is going to be definitely an evening of conversation and, of course, a folded conversation between both of them. So we'll we'll have books for, for both authors readily available that night. And then, of course, we've just talked about October 20th at 6 p.m., an evening with Karen Anderson and Amber Karen. Karen's book is called What's, What Falls Away, and Amber's book is called Call Up the Waters, which is such an amazing title, don't you all think? Yes. <laughs> well, both of them are actually amazing titles. Um, and so they'll be in conversation, but like I said before, we have Karen an interview with Karen at 5.30 and an interview with Amber at 5.45 today. So please stay tuned and listen to what they have to say about their various books. And hopefully that will get you over to the bookstore on the 20th to listen to more of what they have to say. 
That's really cool. I um I had borrowed copies of these books to sort of peruse over the weekend, so I could sort of uh, prepare for these interviews tonight. And uh, <clears throat> I was tiny bit annoyed that I couldn't read what I had planned to read over the weekend. But once <laughs> I got going on both of these books, I couldn't put them down. They well, I did put them down because I didn't. I wasn't able to completely finish either of them. But they are both so unique and well written. Um, and interesting and um, and with a great deal of depth um, both of them really well done and I was I was I went from being slightly annoyed to being really really glad yeah a chance to read these I don't think I would have picked them up otherwise and um, highly recommend them for anyone who has um, who is curious about uh, about Utah literature both of these are Utah, That's Utah exactly writers it. and they are primo really yeah. interesting really well done both of them having been teachers yeah. uh, here uh, Amber actually lives in Logan Utah in northern Utah uh, actually teaches at Utah State University and Karen taught at I'm pretty sure it was at Utah Valley University for many years. I don't know if she's still there, but she also does hail from Utah. And so these are, this is really um, local literature, but I want to stress that it's, you know, absolutely like s- amazing and straight up literature as well. Now, I, I will let you know that Karen's book, What Falls Away, is a novel. Um, and then Amber has done a set of short stories, actually. So please stay tuned 5:30 and 5:45 respectively all right so we're in october and for both of you Jesse and Alyssa does october bring any what how do you how do your reading tastes sort of did they take a turn with the fall uh, Alyssa yes they do so i spent all summer reading books that had been recommended to me which was incredible and honestly took a lot of discipline because there's so many books coming out all the time that I want to read and I kept having to say no I need to get through this list and now summer's done and it's October and I have decided that I am going to take part and I think maybe you are too in Victober which is reading Victorian literature during October October, yes yeah (laughs) so it is Victober and I am very excited and I now I'm just trying to narrow down exactly which Victorian literature I'm gonna really commit to but I'm thinking I'm starting with Wuthering Heights Mm. I really want to read Middlemarch Mm -hmm. and I want to read Great Expectations Uh and then I think I'm I just keep like falling down this rabbit hole <laughs> and I don't know where it will stop. But those are the three that I really want to try to get through in October. And I am not confident that that will happen, but it's what I want. Well, and here's that kind of gothic mm-hmm. Victorian, the changing of the seasons, the, 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 the desiccated leaves, you know, yes. blowing up the dark staircases. And I just have this vision of listening to the Kate Bush album that is based off of Wuthering Heights while I'm reading <laughs> Wuthering Heights and the leaves are falling. Heathcliff. Maybe there will be a hot toddy involved. It's me. I'm you know, Kathy. Exactly. I'm so excited. <laughs> Flowing white nightgown. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep, I can see it. Let me into it. your window. <laughs> okay, All so right. what about over here, Jesse? <laughs> 
<laughs> I just had to sing. You had to. I uh, had to sing that. <laughs> special treat. <laughs> um, typically, I do tend to look for some uh, some gothy horror or something this time of year. Currently, I am just kind of reading what. Uh, it's been a little bit more haphazard. I'm just kind of trying to trying to finish a few things and uh, read what kind of is available to me via the library um, when I am ready for a new book. <clears throat> it's hard to plan sometimes because I always want to make sure the patrons get first pick. I think I've mentioned that once or twice. <laughs> so, Very kind um, of you. I'm reading uh, right now I'm the, the most amazing book <clears throat> that I've almost done with and I'm really enjoying is uh, Southern Noir, Southern Crime Fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, S.A. Cosby, his latest one, All the Sinners Bleed, which I would love to talk about in a bit. But um, I'm looking forward to, I've got a graphic novel that's a horror, a horror graphic novel I'm looking forward to, and I cannot think of the title for the life of me. Um, and then uh, there's a curated, I haven't ordered it yet, it's just coming out, but I'm looking forward to a horror anthology partially edited by Jordan Peele and it is uh, mostly uh, authors of color and it is chock block with uh, with authors that we all already love and I'm looking forward to that one too can I remember the title no I cannot but we'll get there looking forward to some that some gothy so horror interesting. but we haven't, uh, yes. we haven't got there yet as she says whispering <laughs> whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> All right, my readerly friends, you are listening to KZMU Radio Book Club um, on Community Radio in Moab on the dial at 90.1 and 106.7 FM. We usually do a little nod to our um, indie bestseller, the indie bestseller list, which I'll often explain this to folks. I was actually in Portland this last week and went to the mothership. Powell's. I did. (laughs) I went to the mothership. One of the motherships. There's there's many, of course. But Powell's, I found out Powell's was born in 1972. And it was a big auto lot. And they bought the block basically and filled it up with books. (laughs) And it's, it's it's always such a pleasure. And I kept sort of thinking, once you know sort of the backbone or the, the, the back side of, of a library or a bookstore, you know all the little bees that are working around those stacks, you know, and it re- you can really feel that there. They're really peaceful, quiet places, bookstores and libraries often, and it is deceptive. Yes. The people that are making <laughs> yes. it all happen and preserving that space and curating that space are working their tails off, often frantically. Yes. And uh, hopefully it doesn't show. That's a good thing if it's a peaceful, quiet environment, but there's a lot of busyness in the background. Yep. And so I was actually telling friends because, of course, they're, they, ha- they have a huge nod once you walk in to the indie bestseller list. And, of course, they get to have five, six, ten, fifteen books stacked deep, you know, of, of each title. <laughs> How wonderful. <laughs> uh, and so, of course, this is us as indie booksellers putting together a weekly bestseller list. Just like the New York Times, but we do it. We literally upload our stats as a bookstore every week to combine together and create an indie bestseller list. And so kind of speaking of this fall-esque, I have a couple of, I do have a Victober thing I want to talk about. But I decided that because it's on the indie bestseller list, I would read Stephen King for the first time. For the first time? The first 
time. Ever? Ever. I have. How did it go? It went well. I read I, Holly, so which is on, <laughs> which is on the indie bestseller hardcover fiction bestseller list, and it was really interesting. It was very compulsive. It, I had in the back of my mind that I didn't know I even had this kind of question of, well, what is how does Stephen King sort of treat his women characters? Mm-hmm. That was sort of, and I didn't know if, where I wanted to enter Stephen King, and it was like Holly. Okay, Holly's been this kind of past character in other books but here holly is front and center it went really well however i do think there was nothing supernatural this was Mm -hmm. kind of the story like holly was like your classic detective your classic sleuth the story was classic mystery with with darkness yes but not supernatural darkness Mm -hmm. just kind of human nature (laughs) darkness And the entire thing is just this kind of almost like Agatha, Agatha Christie-esque mystery. Just so straight up mystery. I was like, is this, is this classic King? I didn't know. But anyway. So, so that's his newest one, right? That's his very newest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, it was a pleasure to just someone who's told so many yarns, has like spun so many yarns. Mm-hmm that it was a pleasure to just read another yarn that from a master I guess you'd say I would be so interested to hear how you would like or dislike or appreciate or not appreciate any of his older works like his earlier in his oeuvre as it's so large back in the oeuvre yeah Mm -hmm. yes I mean it seems like I tried Carrie but I don't think I did I think I only watched the movie and it terrified me for the rest of my life (laughs) okay so um anything on the indie bestseller with both of you Jesse anything come up on the indie bestseller list um here's a book I'm excited to book four in Richard Osman's um wonderful series um this one's called The Last Devil to Die. The first one, this is the Thursday Murder Club series. I've talked about the a couple of these books before. A group of retirees in a retirement home in England. Um, they're not just sitting around sipping tea, although we do some of that too. They get together and they hash out cold cases from... Uh, from, and, uh, one of them is an ex MI5 spy, um, and they all. One of them th- was a therapist. Um, anyway, they get together and um, and solve crimes. And of course, um, there's murder and mayhem. But these characters are so lovely. They are friends that you. W- I wish that I had. And um, they. And I. I hope there's a retirement home like this one in my future someday. <laughs> I would uh, I would really like that. Anyway, Richard Osman, the sorry, the last devil to die is book four. I'm really excited about that one. Um, and yeah, how about you, Alyssa? Well, there is one that I saw on the list, and I wish I could look at a cover because then I could tell you what it is. Mm. That's just the way that I work. Mm. Do you want to describe it? Yes. And we'll help you. It is on the fiction Mm -hmm. indie bestseller paperback. Paperback. It was the, um, it's also a horror anthology, but I think it is indigenous. Yes. And I can't remember the title. Yes. And it's not currently it, it. Oh no. Never whistle at night. 
that one. Yeah, that one. Never whistle at night. Oh, yeah. I don't know about this. I yes. need to make a note Talk of that. about that one. Oh, my, oh my goodness. goodness. I just saw it in passing, and it was one of the books, because we know I pick up books based on the cover, and I saw it, and yeah. I pulled it right off the shelf. That's a beautiful cover. And read a little bit of the back, and just um, the title, Never Whistle at Night, it is... Um, it's taken from these indigenous stories where if you whistle at night, the belief is that you're calling spirits to follow you home. Mm -hmm. And so all of the stories in this anthology are about indigenous lore and indigenous mythology and kind of a horror sort of bent to it. And it just looked so good. And even though it's not Victorian, it does look a little creepy. So it would be good for October. Absolutely. I'm on it. I'm uh-huh. ordering. I'm adding yeah. that to my book order tomorrow. <laughs> and wow, what a cover. Right? Beautiful colors. Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like that um, Central American paper, that really delicate paper cutout um, uh, designs that you see. I don't know how to describe it. It's incredible. Also, you'll find authors such as Tommy Orange, Kelly Joe Ford. Wow, uh, yeah. Um, Rebecca Rowanhorst, just to name a few. D.H. Trujillo. Oh, so, those are all yeah, really it's, a, it's a powerful, too. powerful mm-hmm. collection. A bold, clever, and sublimely sinister collection that dares to ask the question Are you ready to be unsettled? Ew. I like that. Nice. <laughs> okay. So, I also took on the Oppenheimer American Prothe- Prometheus this last couple of weeks. Wow. Um, took it on as a kind of, okay. I want to know this arc of history. So I didn't read it word for word. I sort of like read it in chunks to a certain extent. I haven't seen the movie, so I'm kind of glad I did kind of go down that rabbit hole. Um, I would say if you want to, um, you know, kind of fill in that arc of history, it's they've done a good job. I think it was 25 years of research, a very long time to research this um, biography. So... That was American Prometheus, and I am not remembering who wrote it. Okay, let me get there. I got to get back. Um, this is trade paper, nonfiction. And Kai Bird. Is it? Kai Bird? I think so. Yep. Kai Bird. Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin. There you go. Yeah. All right, we are approaching the bottom of the hour. And like we have said, we are in for a treat. We're actually going to be interviewing uh, a couple of authors. And we're going to start with Karen Anderson, who wrote the book, What Falls Away. But before we get that queued up for you, what I'm going to have happen is I'm going to have Jesse, we we tend to do a kind of... uh, book review roundtable after we've talked about the indie bestsellers and so we're going to kind of start that and that's going to little kind of pepper throughout these two interviews um, that we have queued up and so what I'm going to have happen is while I'm queuing up our um, Karen I'm going to have Jesse start with a book that she's super excited about and then we're going to have Alyssa follow that up so I'm going to let you two and if you see that we're having trouble, you can even toggle back to each other until we have our author queued up. We'll be able to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have full faith in that. All right, we'll, we'll uh, hand it over to Jesse. Okay, so I'm in the middle of a book called The Venomous Lump Sucker. And if you want to see a hilarious cover, you'll want to take a look at this 
this book. Here, Alyssa, I'll show you the cover while yes. I talk. So the author is Ned Bowman. Um, I like this author because he is just kind of unhinged. He's ex just wildly intelligent, and his stories um, are always pretty wild. Madness is Better Than Defeat was the previous one I read. Uh, it's a movie so in the cool. 30s or 40s that is this huge production they're trying to put together in the middle of the jungle uh, with a lot of wild uh, Hollywood types and personalities and financiers. And as you can imagine, it goes to heck. Venomous Lump Sucker, I'm right in the middle of. It's got this the hot pink cover with a weird fish on the front. And uh, it is about the, uh, the near future. I would call it speculative fiction as, ex as species are going extinct. Corporations can buy what are called extinction credits. Um, if they preserve the DNA and the sort of the character's imprint of this animal digitally, they can go ahead and let it go extinct by their... Um, um, their, whatever their development, their, their corporation ruining ruining the planet, wow. and uh, they just have to buy buy and trade extinction credits. Anyway, it's a crazy crazy wild ride. Um, venomous lump sucker is a fish that was discovered to be one of the most intelligent animals on Earth, and uh, it's pretty wild. It's pretty believable in some ways, and I'm looking forward to the end. That was not very fast. That sounds. <laughs> Pretty good, though. Okay, one of the books that I am right in the middle of and I am loving right now is called Where Are Your Boys Tonight? The Oral History of Emo's Mainstream Explosion from 1999 to 2008. It's by Chris Payne. Um, this definitely brings you right back to 1998 to 2008 if you really enjoy the third wave of emo. <laughs> wow, that's so specific. It is very specific, but there are probably bands in that in that realm that you don't even realize it because so many bands don't like the moniker of emo and never have. And I remember being in middle school and high school and emo was almost like a point of pride and an insult at the same time it's really interesting but this they're like bands like panic at the disco my chemical romance paramore fallout boy taking back sunday under oath thursday gym class heroes say anything fueled by ramen uh, saves the day the warp tour concert series the used hot topic oh my gosh it's just all of the early 2000s alternative teenage and early 20s scene like just in a book and it's amazing it was recommended to me by Matthew at the bookstore and he and I have very similar music tastes and I'm just really looking forward to finishing this so we can freak out about the book together <laughs> is it a nostalgia ride such a nostalgia ride there are so it's written from the perspective of all of these people in these bands they're like having conversations with each other it's just all of them talking about this time period and they're listing off these shows that they did and two of them happened in Orlando and I was there at them so this ah. band is talking about mm -hmm. it's Thursday and taking back Sunday and they're talking about this show and I was there but I was like 14 oh man it was pretty amazing <laughs> excellent where are your boys tonight all right. Well, um, we should have Karen with us. Karen, are you there? 
I'm here. Okay. Hi, Karen. You're here with uh, Jesse from the library. Hi, Karen. (laughs) And Alyssa also from the library. Hello. It's good to have you here. You know, it's it's trying to get some of this tech going. It's like, okay, can we actually do this? And we did. We have you here with us. Thank you for... I'm really impressed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I just want to give our listeners, you know, to what, what we're going to have you do first and foremost is to just give us a little kind of an idea about what the book's about. Just kind of give us a little uh, overview um, but before you do that, I do want to let everyone know that other than a writer, um, Karen is also a gardener, mother, wanderer, and heretic. I love that. Uh, Karen <laughs> Anderson is the author of Before Us, Like a Land of Dreams, and co-editor of Blossoms as the C- Cliff Rose. A former professor of English at Utah Valley University, she hails from the Great Basin. Okay, Karen, let's let's just get a sense for what falls away is about well um it's my first truly traditional novel that has a sort of you know actual plot pitch in a traditional way the protagonist or the main character is cassandra solberg she is 59 when she returns to her small at least formerly small hometown in utah valley after 40 years of more or less exile um when she was 16, she became pregnant, um, night of the junior prom. Things really degenerated with her family and community, and she left and returns now as a self-realized professional visual artist, but she's coming home to take care of her mother who is failing to dementia. And um, so she returns to care for her mother, Dorothy, um, re-entering a house that... Uh, quarters the uncanny and is set in a landscape of what is for her a very primal memory Mm. amazing what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna uh, send our first question over to jesse and have jesse um, okay ask you an amazing question actually (laughs) (laughs) i've actually got uh, a couple of them Uh, first of all one of the uh, one of the things that struck me as particularly poignant was a a memory that she has about her grandmother who told her at one point she said I needed to take any chance I got to go to college and to study something exquisite and she said this was the most important something useless I absolutely loved that quote from grandmother and I wondered if you had a character like that in your life or anyone that encouraged you that way you know, I kind of did and kind of just wished for one. Um, hmm. I, I grew up in a very a much more generous and relaxed atmosphere than I gave Cassandra, but I modeled her after, I modeled the place, of course, after my hometown and uh, set it in the 1970s. And that, so um, I, I, have, I have several teachers and, and professors in the book who I think combined to give me something of that. Um, I do come from very pragmatic people and people who want useful professions, and I was lucky enough to study something I really did love and yet, you know, still be able to make a living and and, uh, make it it useful. But I've... um, always admired I, I've always admired the just sort of joy of education and the joy of creativity and the joy of do, doing something just because you're alive on the planet and I really wanted to to give to create one person who could say that to Cassandra who has not ever received a message like that 
That's beautiful. And that sort of follows up later with her art teacher pulling her aside and telling her that she has special talent. Um, Absolutely. That, yeah, you sort of answered my question already. I was going to ask if you had a had a professor or teacher who inspired you that way. But it sounds like they're sort of composite characters, maybe. Yeah, they, they are. Um, I think the thing that struck me when I was a very young college student is that my professors took me seriously and took my questions mm. seriously. And even when I said stupid things or, uh, <laughs> or um, was sort of, uh, I don't know, enclosed in my own attitudes and bigotries and prejudices, um, they saw me through. They believed, they, believed, they believed if they gave me something to read that I would read it and it would affect me and I could think about it. I, I was really struck by the trust that my college professors gave to me, wow. especially as a very young student. And I, 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 I wanted to give that to my students very much in my own career. Wow, that's so powerful, and that's really conveyed um, in in these these parts in your book too. Yeah, we. Well, I really appreciate you reading it. Yeah, well, we have definitely read it, and uh, we have all commented on uh, y- you need to take it slow, and there's cadence, and there's tone, and um, your language choices are are all really beautiful, and it does make me wonder: is this the book you've been writing for a while? Um, you know, I always kind of see uh, these experiences, especially with tre- teachers, in the sense that the teaching kind of takes over and here's a couple of novel ideas that are sort of sitting in the background. Or was this something that kind of came on and, um, you know, with a fury and you were able to write in a year or two? Like, tell me a little bit about the writing process of this particular book. No, that's a fun question. Um, you know, I, I wrote... Um, before it's like a land of dreams, also yeah. for Tory House. Um, that was the one that took me a very long time, largely because I was still I was still working full time. Uh, I had children still at home, and um, and I I think I needed to lay down something of that epic Western heritage legacy quality of of what it means to be a. A great basin kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say that that one was the one that really took the time, or re- demanded the time. Um, I wrote it in smaller pieces, and it shows up in the form. I wrote it in shapes and forms that sort of worked better for my life at the time. Um, I do think that What Falls Away is a return to something I wanted to do or tried to do or tried to understand very, very early as a, I don't know, I guess, again, as an English major mm-hmm. or as a, uh, a, a, a much younger person who wanted and needed to write, but I don't think I had the experience to um, layer it mm-hmm. and to give it the sort of rich quality of characterization that I that I needed. So it's I, I guess I'd say in some ways it really is a return to something I wanted to write, uh, some kind of a tribute to a very difficult and beautiful and terrible and uh, geographically glorious home territory and the experience of growing up there. Um, I didn't leave the way Cassandra does, but in many ways I did, Yeah. Um, intellectually and emotionally and religiously. And so to come back to it in Cassandra's, 
body and eyes was uh, I don't know, gave gave me the access I needed and gave me the distance I needed to to write something of the humanity of growing up in a very particular time and place. Yes. I feel like, um, to a certain extent, there's a little biography in there for me, a little autobiography in there for me, who came of age um, in the Mormon faith, uh, kind of going through the 80s, and, um, and, and, you know, I mean, it's just kind of like, okay, we will have a lot to talk about, in the sense that, not to say that it's completely autobiographical for you, but it's not easy to... um, catch that feeling of coming back and uh, I felt like you did it just beautifully in the sense of everything you'd experienced and then you know what what you came back to in this case or there there are some kind of general feelings that you know that feeling of coming back and that can be true of anyone sort of coming back into the faith of their um, childhood um, I really Absolutely. loved. I really loved how you separated the sections from part one, which you called return, to part two, which you called reconstruct, to part three, which you called represent, and then part four, which is revise. Um, did that? Did those kind of sections and sort of naming those sections come later, or did you sort of see that immediately? No, they did come later as I, you know, really tried to sort of break it up and consider the stages that she might be going through. Um, there is a section where her her uh, professor talks to her about um, what it means to reach out and engage with something you see as different or other from you. And in, in, in that way, creating a world around you and, and almost literally creating um people and objects and and the things that you live with in the world but are not real Mm -hmm. until you turn and and engage and so the reconstruct uh section was important for Mm. me to uh for her to come back and be able to put words and put some sort of narrative structure to an incredibly traumatic experience and and a horrific season of loss for her um for her to come back and and uh, reconstruct and represent it um, I think is, I don't know, I guess if I have a a preachy agenda about how to live our lives, <laughs> that would be it. You yep. know, how do we engage? Yep. How do we reach? How do we create our lives? Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, respect the lives around us as well. And how do we return, really? You know, how do we return? Uh, yeah, which is impossible. And, and of course, uh, you know, the, the novel comes from, the title comes from Rusky's poem, um, The Waking. Mm-hmm. And he oh, yeah. says, you know, what falls away is always and is near. Yeah. It's always dropping away. It never leaves us. <laughs> mm. Well, on that note, Karen, we're going to let you go. It was just a little taste, a little taste test for our listeners uh, to hear about your book and to let our listeners know that you will be here at Back of Beyond Books on October 20th at 6 p.m. At, and to um, further this conversation. Thank you so much for joining oh, us I'm for absolutely looking forward to a little it. bit. All right. Take care. Talk to you later. Thank you. Okay. All right. So that was Karen Anderson, her book, What Falls Away. Now what we're going to do is we're going to throw our book review time back over to Alyssa first and then Jesse and something else you're excited about while I queue up uh, Amber for our next little uh, conversation.
Great. Well, the next rabbit hole that I have div- dove down, div- you, you know what I mean, um, <laughs> is um, all, I'm reading a bunch of books right now about language and the power of language. So one, I'm, I'm going to tell you all that I'm reading and then my favorite things about them. So the first one I'm reading is Cultish by Amanda Montel. And it is, uh, it's called uh, The Language of Fanaticism. So it's really about how it's not, it's not just the way that cults that you really think of, like drinking the Kool-Aid kind of thing, and how the, the person in power acquires power and then maintains power over people. But it's also about the little subtle uses of language in things that are not exactly cults. They're not even necessarily bad, but they have the same kind of pull sort of like, I don't know, soul cycle or, um, what is another workout one? CrossFit. Those are the kind of the way that people tend to really idolize the person that created these styles of workout. Um, but it's not just that it's all different kinds of groups. Um, you know, some like MLM sort of multi-level marketing groups and that sort of thing. How do you get people to buy in? And it's the way that the language works with that. And so that got me really excited about this concept of language and how it impacts everything. And so another book I'm reading is called A Myriad of Tongues by Caleb Everett. And this book is about how different languages actually change the way that we think about things, like the whether we orient ourselves in the world around us egocentrically or geocentrically. And I don't mean like we're so egotistical we put ourselves at the center I mean like when you are giving directions do you give directions from the point of origin being yourself or from the earth being the point of origin so egocentric or geocentric it's just things like that that are so interesting and how it changes the way that you think and the way that you speak and how different languages actually have in their constructs different ways to orient things like that and I'm reading one more that is called Mother Tongue. It's The Surprising History of Women's Words by Jenny Nettall. And this one is has a lot to do with um, the words that are used for female anatomy and how they were once very um, scientific and biologic and now have become so loaded and kind of change the way we talk about women and bodies and and gender and it's just the way that language impacts everything we create the world with the words we use so that's the other rabbit hole i'm on right now along with my third wave emo rabbit hole (laughs) okay you are listening to radio book club uh community radio in moab on the dial at 90.1 and 106.7 fm and hopefully we have Karen, uh, we have, sorry, Amber, queued up. Amber, are you there? I am. Can you uh, hear me? Okay. Uh, we can. So welcome to Radio Book Club. We actually do this once a month um, on the first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. And so we're excited to have you. And, and of course, we just loved having Karen. And now um, we're happy to have you here on air with us as well. Of course, we're celebrating Amber's new book, Call Up the Waters. And it's a short stories. 
And we're going to have Amber and Karen with us on October 20th at 6 p.m. at Back of Beyond Books. So uh, welcome, Amber. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. Of course. So what we're going to do is, like we did with Karen, we're just going to have you give us a sense for this collection of stories. Um, and I would particularly like you to tell us about the title as well. I just absolutely love your title, Call Up the Waters. It's beautiful. So give us a little little rundown on what we, ex- we can expect from this set of stories. Sure, yeah. Um, just before I do that, I just I do want to say I'm so excited to be in conversation with Karen. I was just listening to her interview, and um, mm. I just love her book, and I'm just really excited to, to chat with her about it. So, Excellent. Um, so Call Up the Waters, so this is a collection of 10 short stories. Um, they're all, all the stories are quite different from one another. They kind of, they happen in kind of very different geographical spaces. Um, there's a lot of um, kind of drama within each story. I suppose if there's something that's kind of holding all of these stories together, it's um, perhaps a focus on uh, labor. Um, so I'm kind of endlessly interested in the, the labor that uh, people are doing in these mostly rural places. Um, and then there's also, uh, I would say, a real focus on kind of the environment and the way that humans are both shaped by and shaping the environment around them. And the title, um, Call Up the Waters, um, it comes from the title story. Um, and in that title story, uh, it's about, the, the story is about a community in um, western Colorado that has run out of water. And um, the the focus of the story is on a small family, a mother and her two children, one, one girl, one boy. And the mother in this kind of, um, you know, kind of very confident way um, tells the kids and also everyone in the community that she can find the water, like she can mm. find water to save the community. Mm. And um, I really, I was thinking a lot about titles and um, I love this, this title for the collection, I think because it speaks to... Um, um, it speaks to a lot of the themes in the in the collection, but then also I think it it speaks to a kind of um, a necessary hope that maybe we all need right now when we're thinking about the the landscape um, and what it needs from us and what we need to give it. And also I think it speaks to a kind of maybe a sense of um, a, the the character feels maybe to me a little bit naive about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really the story is focusing on the kids watching their mother try to do this thing and they're not sure if she can do the thing that she she claims that she can do. Mm. Amber, you're joined um, with me and then Jesse and Alyssa are here with us as well. And I'm going to send a question over to Alyssa and have her ask you something. Hi. So um, the question I want to ask is actually about the story in this collection called bending the map and Mm -hmm. I think this one I was having a hard time deciding which one was my favorite but I think this one is my favorite because Mm -hmm. I feel like the title just you kind of forget what the title is until you get to the end of the story and the character um not Liza well, I can't remember her name, but <laughs> she she has this experience on a trail where she gets lost and she dis and it's in a storm and it completely changes the trajectory of her of her hike of and honestly of her life afterward and it's like and she calls it like a classic case of bending the map where you think you're in one place but you're in another and mm. um I 
I, I don't know if this is a good question, but I just want to know if Peter is a good guy or not. I can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. I don't, um, yeah. I mean, the jury is out on that right? <laughs> <laughs> And I think that, that's her concern, too. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's so funny. Karen and I have been having a bit of an email exchange about our books. And um, one of the things that we've talked about a little bit in our email exchange is, you know, she read something about my book where somebody said something that, like, oh, the characters never give up. Um, and what Karen was saying is, like, no, your characters never stop screwing up. And that's why she likes them so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was specifically, I think, thinking um, about this story and this, this woman who, um, yeah, it's like she has this experience out on the trail. She's a very experienced hiker, and she's been up and down this trail so many times. But, you know, she um, tries to force the landscape into where she thinks that she is because she's so scared right and right. so i think what's happening with her um after that moment is that she starts kind of you know bending the map so to speak in all these other parts of her life and she's really trying to, to figure out you know how can she use peter um to get what she wants mm. <laughs> and so i think peter is um in some ways a good guy in the sense that he's you know reading the situation correctly about um, the, the, that character and her kind of obsession with this other guy, Andrew, in the story. Yes. Um, but, I mean, Peter is also doing some, like, pretty obsessive stuff. Things, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if he's a good guy. I'm worried for her. I'm also a little bit worried for Peter, if I'm being honest. I am, too, because she also, I mean, she is, like you're saying, completely bending the map at every chance she gets and so that also I kept thinking while reading the story was did the title of that story come first or did who these characters are and what they're doing come first and then the concept of bending the map like how did that come about mm-hmm. yeah that's a great question um so a lot of the stories in this collection um the kind of the way that they were written, and I've realized this only after I've written the book that I have this kind of idiosyncratic way of writing fiction. <laughs> but there's a lot of research involved for me, and um, so I at one point got really um, interested in search and rescue work and the, the labor behind that work. And this really came out of a time in my life when I lived um, on a pretty remote, remote remote mountain in California, and there were often lost hikers um, in this space and. The little tiny post office in that community could, in a matter of hours, turn from a post office to a search and rescue station. And it happened multiple times while I lived there. And so I got really interested in kind of what was happening at that search and rescue station. And I was just trying to learn about um, search and rescue work. And while I was doing that, I was really keeping lists of the language that I liked that was coming that kept coming up in like the search and rescue manuals and the interviews I was listening to and the kind of the rescue attempts that I was watching, um, you know, kind of video attempts, not in real life, but I was keeping a list of all that language. And then I would come to my writing desk and I would just try to start making sentences. Mm. And then out of those sentences, I would develop paragraphs and sometimes those paragraphs would lead me to a character and a situation. And so it really was, for me in that in that story it started all you know kind of with the research and the language that I was I was drawn to see language creates worlds yes in fact I I just have to one thing that I find so beautiful is all of your first lines of every story 
Call up the water's first line. Here's what our mother told us that summer. Beneath our feet was a world of water. I, I mean, just, <laughs> I feel like you did something special with each first line and each story. Um, we have just a few minutes left, but I want to give Jesse just a little kind of like quick fire um, question uh, and answer here. Jesse, go ahead. Hi, Amber. Um, I uh, I read uh, just a few, a sprinkling of a few stories. I had limited time. Um, and I felt like the ones that I read were all really uh, sort of in between spaces, interstitial, interstitial, if you will, where there were no... The stories didn't end with a punchline. They didn't end with a, a realization or a, a twist or a punch. They were just sort of ambiguous, which feels so true to life to me. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if that was intentional, um, and and if you could you could speak to that. This sort of um, in between places that these characters seem to find themselves in. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. Um, and definitely something I'm interested in, both in writing fiction and also, I guess, in life. <laughs> um, but I will say, yeah, the endings, um, for me, I think a lot about endings as a, as a way um, to allow my characters to kind of continue to live off of the page. Yes. And so I feel like sometimes there's often an open door at the end of some of these stories rather than a closed door. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And, and so, so, um, yeah, I want, I want them to breathe off the page a little bit. Oh, that works. That works. That's exactly (laughs) what you said too earlier. Jesse kind of, um, said it almost exactly like that. Like, yeah, there's questions that you have even when you're done. It's open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. I feel like a, a lot. Life is rarely life is rarely tidy, but these these places and these moments or these seasons add up to make make the people that we are. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, and Thank and you. maybe some of the short story form um, kind of allows for that too, right? Which is really it's a glimpse of a life, right? The glimpse mm-hmm. of a moment yeah. of a situation, mm-hmm. yeah. um, rather than perhaps something what's ha- like what's happening in Karen's work with her with her character who we get to see like you know a big long life yes thank you so much yeah getting to talk to you for a few moments yeah thank you and so much for having me i really appreciate your interest in the work and i'm really excited for the event and yeah we're excited to see you in not so long of time and thanks again for joining us today take care absolutely thank you bye-bye bye bye All right, I think we've done it. We are at the top of the hour, and we uh, packed in quite a few things. And my readerly friends, we are going to sign off. Uh, but before we do that, we you can find this list of wonderful books over at the library. Where is it, Jesse? Um, it'll be on the library's website, moablibrary.org, under uh, library services, then find a good book, and then on that page, uh, recently mentioned on Radio Book Club. And this particular one will be on our all archives. All of KZMU shows are automatically archived for two weeks under the archives tab at kzmu.org. And then Radio Book Club is also available on the KZMU Public Affairs podcast. Find your past episodes there, um, wherever you get your podcasts. 
new episodes are uploaded on Fridays and you'll find that there's always more books than you can remember. So Mm -hmm. definitely check that out. And uh, till we meet again in November. Bye, everybody. Good night, Moab. Good night. You can hear Radio Book Club live on the KZMU Airwaves every first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. Find archives and book mentions at kzmu.org.